Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. <laughs> this is Coach Kevin Furtado, and I'd like to welcome to episode 225 with Coach Joe Lucas. He's the head varsity girls basketball coach at Lurie High School in Lurie, Virginia. The topic tonight is practice preparation. <clears throat> he has coached from 2009 to 2016 at Lurie High School varsity boys basketball assistant. From 2011 to 2016, he was the JV boys ba basketball head coach. From 2016 to the present, he was at Lurie High School varsity head girls basketball coach, where he very successfully has led them to an unbelievable program. In 2020, he's the Bull Run District champion, Region 2B champion, Virginia 2A runner-up, 29-2, and two, region playoff for 2017, 19, and 20. And 2020 is the Bull Run District Coach of the Year, 2020 Region 2B Coach of the Year. So I'm really excited to see how uh, Joe has kind of built this program. Actually very similar to uh, what I have done at Lake Oconee Academy because I started in 2016. I'm going to kind of pick his brain on some of the things he's done. Uh, kind of, I want him to share with me some great practice ideas on how I can become a better practice coach, how the coach is listening can also become better at preparing their players for games. So let's welcome Coach Joe Lucas. <coughs> Coaches, welcome again to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, we got another Virginia coach, man. I'm excited getting for these Virginia guys, man. These guys are good coaches out there. Um, this is uh, episode 225 with Coach Joe Lucas. He's the head girls basketball coach at Lorray High School in Virginia, uh, also in Lorraine, Virginia. And uh, we're excited to pick his brain on a great topic. I'm very, 
I feel very strongly in is practice preparation, practice planning. Joe, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, hey, I, you know, uh, I'm on actually a, a group uh, text message with a lot of great coaches, and one of them is actually my good friend, Gene Durden. Uh, you probably yes, know sir. Gene, uh, yes, legendary sir. coach, man. And uh, I just kind of, hey, the Virginia coaches are now trying to get back into the swing of things. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you guys are handling this COVID pandemic stuff that you're now getting your teams back in the swing. Man, it, it's been a mess. You know, we're still – we were actually uh, – did a Zoom call with uh, – on Sunday night with some of the coaches in that that you're talking about and just talking. Um, and it's it's amazing how it varies from state to state. Like, I know uh, Coach Durden, he was in on that Zoom call, and he was talking about how everyone in their state is sort of on the same page. You know, they have uh, some regulations and everything. And then here in Virginia, you know, it's varying by the district. You know, it's uh, – like for us, we just started practice on Monday. Um, there are schools 20 minutes from us that have been practicing for two or three weeks. You know, there are like Coach Hedrick and his situation. You know, they're not even allowed to pass the ball right now. So, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of uh, variation. You know, we're um, have a county, um, like I said, that's about 20 minutes from us where you know, they have to play in masks, and we don't have to play in masks, and it's just. Uh, a ton of different things right now, but our kids have done a really good job of handling. I think they're just grateful to be able to play. You know, there was a while where we didn't even know if we would have a season. So we'll, we'll roll with it and uh, do the best we can. Yeah. And your kids will learn a lot. And plus the coaches yes, will just on learning a lot about yourself on the patience right. and the discipline. I, I, I don't want you to get, I don't want you to say, cause I know you're within an organization out there in Virginia, but that inconsistency of that, what you're saying to me doesn't make sense to me, but because everybody's playing by different rules, that doesn't make sense. Right, right. It's been, um, you know, it's hard, especially when we're trying to prepare to, you know, go play a game. Like um, I was just before the podcast here, the team that we actually open our season with here uh, two weeks from today, they're playing their first game tonight. Right. And so they might have two, three games under their belt when they play us and that'll be our first game. And so it's just, you know, but again, we uh, tell it, and I have to remind myself of this a lot. We, I can't control that. We have to control, we can control. And, and that's sort of the message to our girls where, you know, we might be playing a team who has five games under their belt or we might have to go play a game in masks for the first time all year, you know, whatever it may be. But um, it, it's, it's basketball, you know, it doesn't matter if we play in masks, don't play in masks, you know, whatever, we just have to go play. Yeah, no excuses, right? I mean, yes, I that's what you're teaching your kids. Yes, uh, hey, talk about, like, how you got into coaching. Tell us about yourself on how you got into coaching, what kind of drove you into this crazy profession, man, that we're in. Yes, sir. And, uh, uh, actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I went to uh, a small Division three school here in Virginia about 45 minutes away, and uh, I wasn't good enough to play. And so – I uh, wanted. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, and I knew I loved basketball. And so, I uh, throughout my teaching classes, there were so many um, coaching classes that you had to take. And I ended up taking a basketball coaching class with the women's basketball coach at uh, Bridgewater College. Her name was Jean Willie. She's retired right now. Um, 
And it just sort of – I knew I loved basketball, but I didn't know if I wanted to coach. And she got me hooked. And, you know, I would attend her practices. I would attend the men's practices. I would, you know, sort of pick their brains a little bit. And then uh, I was able to come back and volunteer for my high school coach. And so I started doing that when I was 19, you know, a sophomore in college, and uh, would come back on winter breaks, on weekends, you know, evenings that I had free, you know, whatever it was, and come back and volunteer for him. And then uh, I ended up becoming his JV coach. Uh, I coached under him for um, up until about 2015, I would say, and he left our high school and I continued to be the JV coach there. Um, but it was uh, – I was really fortunate, you know, I was – during the time being an assistant, we were able to go to two state tournaments, uh, go to state semifinals, go to state quarterfinals. And uh, I was able to learn a lot, a lot from him. You know, I always credit him. He was my coach and then, you know, gave me my first opportunity with being the ultimate grinder. You know, I really learned how to, to work, to work in the work that it takes and really, you know, commit your life to it. And then, uh, you know, 2016, uh, I was still coaching JV boys and you know, we were about two weeks into our season. And some things happened, and they asked, hey, we need a girls coach. Do you want to be the girls coach? And I said, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I wanted my own program. I thought I was ready. And, you know, that's been the story ever since. And I've been, you know, this is my fifth year coaching the girls here at Luray. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Did you, um, you find that there's really not that much difference? Because I've actually coached boys and girls. There is a difference, obviously, between the two. But basketball is basketball, Doug. But do you find yeah, sure. that there's something special about actually coaching girls that was different than the boys? That's interesting because I know uh, one of my very best friends. Uh, he coaches Chris Dotson. He's in that. He's in that group text that we uh, talked about. He started off his career as a JV boys coach as well, and then moved to the girls side, being a girls varsity coach, and uh, started off as a boys assistant sort of the same career path. And um, I remember when I first took the girls position, I asked him, what's the difference? Are there any differences between me coaching boys and me coaching girls? And he told me something and it stuck with me. You know, ever he said, you will be doing those girls a disservice if you, co if you don't coach them hard just because they're girls. Right. And that stuck with me. And I, I've obviously had to change you know, around that time that I got the girls job. I was also on a football staff. And, you know, that's a, that's a complete different environment than coaching girls. But um, there are some things that have had to change. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously not going to scream and yell. You know, I've tried to tailor that. I would hope that if I was still coaching boys, I would tailor that back, you know, more as well. But um, it, my mindset is girls can take coaching just like boys can. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some – and I would be doing them a disservice if I backed off just because they're a girl. You know, we've – especially with all the progress that's been made with the WNBA and with women's sports and, you know, putting women's basketball on the forefront. I think it's important that I coach them as a basketball player, not just coaching them as a boy or a girl. Yeah, they're athletes for sure. Um, and it's cool that you learn that early because um, a lot of coaches really don't learn that until later yes, on. Sir. Yeah, I was fortunate because I had never – envision myself coaching girls yeah I didn't I didn't think I had the temperament to coach girls yeah I would I wanted to have a boys program and that the opportunity came and you know, I knew I wanted my own program so I just took it and 
you know, I've been really blessed with some good kids to coach. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, Joe. Hey, talk about your mentors. Uh, talk about guys who have really shaped your philosophy. I know, I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, the, the coach you mentioned before, Gene Durden, definitely yes, shaped my philosophy. I, I believe that what I got from him was you have to have a philosophy and a mission state. I mean, you have what you say is what you do. Yes, yeah. Uh, you can't go, I mean, but well, who are some of your mentors? Uh, the first one I think would be uh, Jim Sanders. He was, uh, you know, he was who I talked about there at the beginning. He was my high school coach, and uh, he tells he's coaching at another school right now. But we always talk about this. We'll get together over the holidays, and you know, uh, yeah, I uh, played for him my junior and senior year, and he actually, and I'll never forget this. He came to me. Um, the spring between my JV sophomore year and my varsity junior year. And I was this big, heavy kid, really you know, out of shape, didn't really take it all that seriously. And uh, he came to me and he said, if you want to play varsity basketball, you need to lose weight. And I was like, man, that's a shock because I can imagine saying that to a kid now and I would probably be called into the office. Right. You know, the next day. And I remember going home and telling uh, my uh, granddad, I said, man, this coach told me, pretty much called me fat, you know, told me I need to lose weight. And uh, he said, well, if you want to play basketball, then you'll do what your coach tells you to do. And man, that was just, and that said it right there for me. I, I, I knew that this guy was invested and he instilled, you know, confidence in me and helped me grow as a basketball player. And then, you know, working under him taught me how to work. You know, taught me how, how much of a grind it really is from, you know, not just what people see, but doing the laundry every night, you know, going to scout long road games, uh, practice planning, all, all of that stuff that other people don't see. And then, uh, you know, going through it, I have some really – Chris Dotson, who's in that group text, you know, he's been so good where he has – I think he's won five state championships, six state championships, something like that. But it's not even the winning games. It's just how he does it you know, with his kids. He runs a really good feeder program, which we're trying to get established here at LRA High School. He's uh, he's another person that I can bounce ideas off of because he's coached the boys and the girls side. And he's just really, really good about – and he's authentic. He's taught me to be authentic. He's intense. He's high energy. He, he doesn't back off just because, you know, afraid to hurt someone's feelings or afraid he isn't going to be liked. And, you know, that's given me confidence to do that where as long as my players respond – I don't really care what anyone else thinks. And, um, you know, him and then I have some other ones. Uh, ben Bates, he's uh, a coach on the boys and the girls' side. You know, he's been really good. As far as the X's and O's wise, I would be the first to admit if I had to rank my strengths and we my strengths and my weaknesses, X's and O's would be a weakness. It just is. But And uh, he's been one that really will sit down on the dry erase board or will, you know, talk over the dry erase board. He's been really good in – helping me to develop that part but yeah there there are many i'm sure i'm leaving out out some people but those are three that come to mind right away yeah absolutely on that and it sounds like to me you've taken advantage of those people who are willing to share with you not everybody's like that (laughs) joe it's funny uh that, that group text we were talking the other night and i said uh man this is the best coaching clinic i've ever gone to Exactly. It's better than any coaching clinic. And it's just been, you know, Coach Hedrick put that thing together when, you know, COVID first, you know, started. It's just been, I've learned more from that group text. People I've never even met 
in person. And it's just been, it's been awesome. Hey, tell us about what you guys are doing with that. Not, not just the, the text, but the, the Zoom cast you guys have done on that. Tell us sure. about that. Yes, sir. It started off uh, just on the Zoom. You know, we would get together once a week um, and we would just talk. You know, we would, I, I'm sure none of us thought that we would still be talking about COVID when that thing started in right. April or whatever. But we would just talk. We would talk about our plans for the off season. We would talk about, um, you know, if, how we came coming off of our season. There was there's a, some coaches in there who had just come off winning a state championship. You know, there was me who came off losing in a state championship, and it just developed from there. <laughs> and we probably had, you know, six or eight Zoom calls, and then sort of got away from that a little bit as the summer got going. But there isn't a day that goes by where we're not talking about something in the text message, and it's just it, it's really really good to where. I think it's especially helped me to keep an even keel during, you know, when there's so many things right now to be freaking out about. Are we going to have a season? You know, who are we going to play? When are we going to – all of that stuff. And to just, you know, see how those men and women are handling it and their different situations. It's been really good. You feel like it sharpens your mind, though, because sometimes we get caught up in our own minds, and I'm talking about yep. myself, that we, yes, sir. we can outthink people. But a lot of times yeah. when we go outside the box – it actually sharpens our mind. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but what do you think about that? Yes, sir. I agree. I think it does. I think it helps me um, to, with all the different perspectives that the, those men and women are bringing, it helps me to really zone in and you know, think about, all right, what's important? You know, what does, how can I take what they're telling me, even though they might be in a completely different situation and you know, really narrow it down and to apply it to my program and to what we're going through. I think, and they're honest. Yeah, that's one of the best things that comes out of it is they're honest. They'll tell us when we're being each other, when we're being negative or when we're, you know, pouting or when we just need, you know, we're talking about something that doesn't even matter. And it's, it's really good because it's you know, a bunch of people who I know are way smarter than I am, but I'm learning every day from their, their situations. Yeah. Don't you find though, I know it sounds kind of crazy, Joe, that, um, it's not necessarily the smart people that succeed. To me, it's the one that are not afraid to fail. I mean, yes, that are continually learning because it's not all about smarts. Is what I love about what you're doing, man. You're constantly picking things, and I think that's a good sign. It's a great sign that you're willing to learn and grow. Yes, sir. I think it. I think it requires you to be to be vulnerable. I think it's. Uh... You know, it requires you to step back a little bit. Like in that group text, you know, there'll be times where I'll send out a text. I'm like, man, you know, is that stupid? Am I the only one that thinks that? And then they'll give they'll, – some of them will agree. Some of them will give their own feedback. And it's just you – know, it's like it's like a safe zone because there's no opinion that – or no, nothing that goes into there where I feel like I'm an idiot, where I feel like either they're, they might agree with me, they might give me something different. And it's just – it's – um. And like you said, it's not the, the smartest. I mean, every coach in there has something that they can offer, but it's also even Coach Durden, who's a legend, you know, Coach Starr in that text, who's a legend. You know, they're still picking up things from other coaches who may not be quite as accomplished. So it's really good. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that's the key to success, I think, more than anything else in coaching. Hey, let's, um, hey before we get into your practice planning, I read some things about you and, and the impact on your daughter, Riley, correct? Yeah, you have one daughter? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, just one. Okay, and the Kobe, the Kobe Bryant, I thought that was an interesting oh, man. story. Talk about that a little bit. 
Yes, sir. Uh, so we actually, uh, my daughter turned 15 months old there a couple of days ago. And uh, okay. September of 19, it was, man, it was crazy. We, uh, we were having a bake sale. My girls basketball team was having a bake sale. And uh, my wife was there, you know, helping out. She ran to Walmart to get us some things. And we had been going through this adoption process for months, you know, trying to find a match, trying to find a baby, all of this thing. Yeah. And, uh, and she calls me, and she's just hysterically crying. And I thought something was really wrong. Yeah, you know, I was panicking. And, uh, and she said, we're getting a baby. We're getting a baby. And so she comes rushing back to this bake sale, and you know, she gets out of the car hysterical crying and it was just such a long process where you know we've been married for a while you know tried to have kids tried to go through the adoption process all of that stuff and so we actually end up a week from that bake sale we fly to utah to pick up our little girl mm. and then a few months later you know i think riley was five months ish when the kobe when the kobe news came out and it was just, you know, seeing – I was never a Kobe fan. I was always a LeBron fan. <laughs> exactly. And it seemed like between me and my buddies, you know, you either had to be one or the other. You couldn't be both. And so I was always you – know, growing up, I was a Shaq fan. And so the Shaq and Kobe feud, I always took the Shaq side. And then seeing all the stuff that came out with Kobe with his daughter and uh, Gigi, who also died in the, in the plane crash, and how he talked about his daughter and how he talked about coaching his daughter and coaching her AAU team. And then there was one clip that I showed. Uh, I still have it saved on my phone. <laughs> Excuse me. Of him, uh, him and his daughter sitting at a game. And you see her turn to talk to him. And he's you know, breaking down the game for her. And, man, it just it really makes you see, all right, here's one of the best basketball players in the world. You know, one of, and, but turns out, He's an even better father. I could care less about the basketball player. And he turns out, you know, look what he's doing for his daughter, Gigi, and then he has his other kids who you know, may not be uh, great basketball players. They might want to do something else. And so that made me realize, you know, I have this little girl, and I, I said in the interview that I did at the time, I don't care if she plays basketball. Would I love her to play basketball? Absolutely. But I want her to be passionate about something. Right. She can be a cheerleader. She can be an artist. She can play an instrument. It, it doesn't matter. And I think that was the thing with Kobe that really resonated where how supportive he was of his daughter. Yes, she was a great basketball player, but I'm almost 100 percent positive that if she wasn't a great basketball player, he would have still been there at the forefront encouraging whatever she was trying to pursue. And that man, that that and having a little girl and saying there's something about having a little girl that I think softens you. Right, I soar up and down. I wouldn't spoil her, and I wouldn't be this soft dad, but <laughs> I am. Right, I, I doesn't. There's something about it that softens you. I think. Yeah, that's a great story, and I, it's funny you mentioned Kobe Bryant. Um, the impact he has on our program. We, I don't know how many Kobe Bryant five-minute videos I've shown to my team. Oh, yeah, like that guy was a super genius to me, and, and it's it's always things, Joe, about what you have to put in to get out of this not because not the yeah. talent so um and talk about an absolute genius i think of the game of basketball so, but something your kids can learn right now absolutely i think you know, especially him over the past uh, two or three since he retired you know, how he was such a big advocate for the women's game 
And, you know, you see him taking his daughter to UConn games and see him taking his daughter to Oregon women's games. And I think that's – and he's the ultimate grinder. Like, I've showed that, uh, you know, the clip of when he tore his Achilles. I stepped up to the free throw line and knocked the free throws down and then was subbed out of the game. You know, just stuff like that where, yeah, he had, he had all the tools. He was athletic. He was gifted. All of that stuff. But that, that, wasn't, what, that wasn't what made him special. And I think that showing that to our girls who – and to – anyway, it doesn't have to be that, that mama mentality that he talked about. That doesn't have to be specific to basketball. It can be specific to, you know, whatever. And I think that's that's the cool thing about you know what he represented. Yeah, for sure. Don't tell anybody. I got my I got my mom a new shoes at his spot. So don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a I'm kid, a, man. I'm a LeBron guy, so you can you can have those. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'll I'll text you a picture, Joe. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, hey, let's talk about practice planning, man, because I sure. I'm a lover of practice, man. I I think your best coaches are your best practice coaches. First, tell us about your philosophy of coaching, of, of practice planning, and uh, then kind of go into, if you whatever, how you structure your practice. So I'm, I'm here to learn. Sure. Yes, sir. Um, my, my philosophy and practice, it's actually evolved. You know, I've, I've pulled up a couple here that I'll show you. I have one from 2017 when I first took over, and I was looking at I haven't looked at it for a long time, and then I – pulled up uh, our first two from this year and then one from last year where I thought our practice planning really, you know, was huge. And um, just to see how it's evolved, I'm full on uh, games approach. Okay. I'm full on. uh, We're not the only thing that we do quote unquote blocked uh, or on air shooting. That's it. And even then we're often shooting against the closeout or we're often shooting, um, in an advantage drill, a three-on-two or a four-on-three or something like that, right? It's very rare. We might do maybe one or two drills per practice where it's just pass or shooter, right? Other than that, we're uh, making a read, passing to a shooter, uh, working on making a one-more pass, uh, working on uh, shooting, reading a closeout, short closeout, long closeout, something like yeah. that. Um, but that, that, I'm a firm believer, and that's the only thing we're doing on air. Even in our workouts, even if you come watch us in July or whatever, that's the only thing. And then everything is competitive. You know, I've been blessed with um, really, really good managers who we chart like crazy. You know, I'm a chart fiend. And uh, you know, we'll chart. Right now we only have one manager, so we're only charting wins and losses. Right. But we have a winner and a loser in every single drill. Whether it's shooting, whether we're – um doing some version of a shell drill whether we're doing a cutthroat drill it doesn't matter right we have a winner and a loser in every single drill and that might be uh for end of practice running we might stop and do push-ups you know right then and there whatever it is uh in the past when we've had three or four managers we've charted everything so we would chart uh the same thing in practice that we would chart in the game right we would chart when we're scrimmaging we're charting paint touches uh, we're charting one more assist. We're charting um, hockey assists. Everything that we feel is important in a game, we're charting in practice. Uh, we're charting offensive rebounds. Uh, we're charting whatever, whatever it is. Um, and so that's so important where I can show to our, to our girls, and it starts in practice, all right, this team 
you know, we're charting wins and losses today. Maroon is kicking your all's butt. Let's look at this. Look how many more paint touches they have than you guys. Look how many more offensive rebounds they have than you guys. You know, look, uh, look at the quality of shot they're getting in our whatever. It doesn't matter in our scrimmages compared to you guys. And so I think that that is huge. And our managers are really smart. We just they're they're great. And then you know we do everything is live, right? We do a lot of build up one on one all the way up to five on five. Uh, we'll do some advantage stuff, three three offense, two defense, you know, four offense, three defense, whatever. Um, and that's really my philosophy that's been developed over time is it was two years ago, my, my second year, we won four games. Mm-hmm. And we were four and 18. And I go back and I'm thinking, and I remember after that year, it was miserable. I was miserable. Kids were miserable. And I think, okay, what's the easiest thing and the quickest thing for me to change? And it was that. It was the structure of our workouts and the structure of our practices. And I remember meeting with every single (coughs) player after our season. And I asked them two things. I said, do you want to play for me? And if we had a majority of the kids that say, no, I don't want to play for you, I was ready to resign because I would never want to be the coach that calls a kid not to play. And then the second thing is, okay, well, if you do want to play, how can we make this more enjoyable? And that was what a lot of them said. Well, we want to have more fun in practice, right? We're there for two, two and a half hours a day. We only play two games a week. So really practice is where we're spending most of our time. Right. And so that's, that's what, and I went full fledged, you know, started researching this games approach. Right. And basketball immersion, I don't know if you're familiar with that site. Man, that, is, that has been a godsend. Yeah. You know, studying and picking up things off of that site and listening to those podcasts. And then, uh, you know, I worked that whole summer uh, with Randy Sherman with Radius Athletics. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. But he's full on, you know, has a lot of good stuff and just sort of developed it and came into workouts that summer and we completely scrapped it. We can did a complete 180 in how we were practicing. And uh, that's where that philosophy, I, I don't know if we would have went, if we would have won 18 games that year, I don't know if we ever would have flipped how we were practicing, but I think it's, it's, it's been for the uh, sort of a blessing in disguise, I, I guess is how I would word it. You learn a lot. Uh, Cause you know, it's funny. My, my first year we were three and 18. So yes, sir. Uh, but we were building a brand new program. So, right. you know, but uh, you're right though. I think competing, particularly at the girls level, when you guys compete, I think the kids actually enjoy it because yes, it, it, it just, it's just a competitive nature. I mean, uh, what have you found though from the girls side? Are they accepting the competitive nature? Cause I know there's not all, it's not all positive. You know, some kids are going to win. Some kids are going to lose. How are they right. Uh, I think at the beginning it was a little tough um, where I would have to remind them, hey, you're making your teammates better. You know, we're these are the people you're going to be playing with tomorrow night, you know, whatever. Hey, coaches, this is Nick Bartlett, marketing manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball, and we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. 
If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com, give us a call, or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media channels at drdishbball. Whatever. And I think I would have to lay cons have to constantly give them that reminder. There would be some girls that would get upset, right, if they had to run at the end of practice because they, they had lost. But I think now that, all right, they've seen this is, this is translating to wins. This is translating to, you know, you becoming a better basketball player. And it was actually today uh, we were shooting in practice, and you know, I said um, at the very end we were doing it, and I said match yourself up with someone who is a, a similar skill set to you. I'm not matching you up. You guys have to do it. And they sort of looked around for a second. I said, I'm not doing it. You have to do it. And boom, they went there and they were, it was just a shooting competition. It was a simple thing. One versus one that we do. And, uh, you know, I, I told them, I said, now just because you're competing against your teammate, I still want you to remember they're your teammate. I'm throwing them a strike pass every time I'm sprinting after long rebounds so that they can get off as many shots as they can. And so it was real, man, they were at the same time they were competing against each other, trying to win the drill, but they were still trying to do everything right to be a great teammate. And it's just, it's come a long way at the beginning. It wasn't always like that, but it, it's come a long way. Let me ask you this too. I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a K five PE teacher. All me right? too. This is where yes, I, under, I understand <laughs> the competitive. I've always believed in competitive nature of practices. Yes, um, my kindergartens know, that when you throw, uh, when you have a game, they're trying, I think it's human nature. Even yep. my kindergartners know that winning is better than losing. Uh, yes. So I think if you don't have a competitive nature, but on the girls' side, I think as they get older, I don't think they're being taught competitive. I think they're, be, they're being taught cooperation. But I yes. think competitiveness is vitally, particularly if you're a girls' coach. Yes, I agree. I think um, you know, it's almost – I remember saying this a few times. I've been like, stop being so nice. Stop being so nice. Exactly. And it took me – and uh, I, I thought just me saying that, you know, compete, stop being so nice, all those cliches right. were get out of them, but it didn't. Or me, maybe I have to raise my voice or scream and yell, but that didn't bring it out of them. I didn't bring it out of them for two minutes, but then they're reverting right back to old habits. So, and so I think – us really charting it, right, and saying, okay, right, our top four winners from today get out of the running in practice at the end of practice. Mm -hmm. And boom, now they're all, I don't want to run at the end of practice, so I better compete. And it's just, and it's gone from there. And we did, you know, something, uh, the year that we won four games, we were really struggling. So I was trying to find something positive, right, because I knew we weren't very good. We weren't going to win very many games. So what's something that we can do to keep our – and we uh, brought in this belt. I got the idea from our football coach. It was like a like a WWE belt. Okay. And we would give it out for different things. And of course, girls, right? Teenage girls, they think WWE. This is stupid. Like I don't, I don't want to do this. Hey, where did you get but that? Where did you get it? Where did you get uh, Walmart. it? Walmart. <laughs> Walmart. Yeah, it. it was actually. 
the year that I coached football. So I had it left over because we had given out some belts for the weight room. Okay. And I was like, oh. And so uh, they got into it. We would give out a belt for just, you know, random stuff, right? Who gets the most offensive rebounds in a practice or who has the best body language or, you know, whatever. And that was just little. And I, I'm not sure that was as – it was. It seemed okay at the time. But now looking back, I, I'm thinking, was that really the most authentic way that we could have brought out competitiveness? But at the time, I was desperate, I guess. And, um, yeah, I think I mean, them seeing it, them seeing uh, – and sometimes I'll even post in the locker room, which I've been told is a no-no, but it seems to work for us sometimes. All right, here who has, here's who has the most wins this week, or here's who has – the most losses this week or, you know, whatever. And it, it seems to work. I want to interject because we, that's what we do, Joe. And to me, it's not controversial. I think, I think kids need to know where they stand. Right. And I think, I think the players need to know where everybody stands. Um, right. I don't think, I don't think that's controversial to me. Uh, maybe I'm just old school. I think kids yeah. need to know if they don't want to get on, they don't want to be on the bottom, but they need to do something to get moving yeah. up that ladder, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember my high school coach, uh, the one who I was referencing there at the beginning, he used to do something called stat points. Um, and we would come in the locker room after game, and he would have the stat points up from the previous game. And you would get you know, so many points for a bucket, so many points for a rebound, so many for taking a charge, you know, negative points for a turnover, negative point, And your stat points, right, you might have four points, but you get 13 rebounds and four assists. You're leading your team in stat points. And that – was really for us to see it there on the wall. All right, I can impact winning if I don't score, right? Or I might have 20 points, but if I have six turnovers and four fouls, then I'm not – I wasn't a winning player last night. And so that was that was really important for us. Of course, that was, you know, a long, a long time ago. But I think I think this, the same can still be can still be done where, you know, always go back to that clip of uh, – Steve Kerr talking to Steph Curry, and I think it's at halftime, and he pulls him over to the bench, and Steph Curry's all down in the dumps because he's not scoring. And he says, look at all this amazing stuff you're doing. And I, I'm not exactly sure what he showed him, but he showed him, you know, how he was affecting winning. And there will be times where in a game, you know, our managers chart all of that stuff, and we have a kid, if she has bad body language because she's one of five, then I might pull her over and say, look, are you your look at your plus minus? You know, look at your six assists or three steals or you know whatever, and it, that seems to not only boost our competitiveness because it's coming straight from our practice, but also I think it directly impacts winning. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think Steve Kerr is going to have to coach his butt off because I oh, saw man. I saw him play Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn looks good, man. Yeah, they are. That, that pains me to say it because being a LeBron fan, I'm not a Kyrie fan. But oh, man, yeah, they're good. They look really, and they look deep. But I mean, yeah. it's a long season. Hey, yeah, Phil Patrick's still Curry. Yeah. Um, well, Raymond's <laughs> coming back, and of course, uh, Thompson's not. But yeah, that's part of the NBA. Right. Talk about your uh, my two key things that I teach. Uh, number one is rebounding. Number two is defensive pressure, and that's what yep. we celebrate after games. We don't talk about the leading score, um, mm -hmm. and we do score a lot of points, by the way. But right. what are your what are your key things you focus on in practice? Because you can't be great in everything. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, as far as what you said about celebrating uh, after the game or next day or whatever, 
we're huge on um, paint touches that lead to a great shot. We chart those like crazy. And we want um, to have twice – our goal going into a game is to have twice as many paint touches as our opponent. Okay. And I think that directly correlates to success, whether it's um, us getting to the foul line, whether it's us getting the shots we want. We emphasize – right, we want layups, free throws, and inside-out threes. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't want mid range, we want uh three dribble pull ups. That's what we want, and it starts with a paint touch. Right, we have the ball has to touch the paint, we have to attack the rim, whether it's throwing it there, whether it's driving it, whatever. And so, that is the number one, first and foremost. We every drill that we do, uh, every you know, uh, small sided game that we do, offense, your butt better attack the paint, get to the paint. And then um, the, off of that, assists, right? We're huge on assists where we don't want to over dribble. You know, we do every time, if we're doing anything, uh, shooting on air, attacking the basket. If you don't get there in two dribbles or less, it doesn't count. All right, that's our rule. You bet you need to get to the rim and stop dribbling the air out of the ball. Get to the rim. And I think that correlates to our assist number, right? Obviously, if I get to the rim and, you know, one or two dribbles and I'm, I'm either scoring or I'm kicking that ball out to the three-point line. And those two things, offensively, I think we put more of, it, more of an emphasis offensively because I think, quite and this is just my opinion, I think that takes more time. I think if you can't score, even though the, the old thing is defense wins championships, if you can't score, it makes the game really hard and the game isn't very fun for the kids. Right. And so we put a huge emphasis on that. And then uh, space – Right, we are huge, and I'm sure my players get tired of hearing me saying that. Right, offensive spacing, I'm not going to call out tons of sets, right? But when we look good, it's because our spacing is really good. When we look like crap and we're turning the ball over or we're getting poor shots, usually our spacing is terrible. And so, those are the three things that I harp on every single drill offensive drill, defensive drill, doesn't matter. Absolutely. And tell us how you're going to uh, – can I go back to your win chart again a little bit? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? Is it a daily thing? Do you have it up on the on the wall in the gym, like uh, their totals and everything? Um, actually, actually, I can uh, share – I attach it to our practice plan. I can share our screen uh, yeah. and go ahead and show you that. Let me see if I can do that. Uh, how's that work? Um, ah, there we go. Yeah, you should be able to. Yeah, look like okay. It's right. coming on. Alrighty. Um. So here is our practice plan from practice one. Okay. Um, and I will go ahead and scroll down. Here's our win chart. So right now we only have six healthy girls because of uh, some COVID stuff. Oh, man. Uh, so that's why we'll put our name, their names there uh, on the left. And then I don't have our manager chart every drill. Uh, I usually pick about seven or eight that she will chart for us. Okay. And so she'll just have it, and we'll go Italian three-on-three, three-person, two-ball, you know, whatever it is, all the way across. And I'll just tell her. 
after we'll keep score. And after Italian three on three, if top team won, she'll give them a W, give the bottom team an L. Or if we play four rounds of it, it they might get four L's or three L's or whatever it may be. And then um, throughout practice, you know, when they're getting water or something, I'll just announce it. I'll say, hey, red team, you uh, have five wins. Uh, white team, you guys have two wins, you know, whatever. And sometimes to even create a sense of urgency, you know, I'll say, all right, this next drill is for double the wins, but it's also for double the losses. And so it just gets them going a little bit. Or, you know, during a shooting drill, and we just started doing this during workouts when it got a little stagnant. I'll say, okay, you pick someone on the other team that their shots count double, their makes count double. And they're looking out, like, oh, crap. You know, who, did, who do I want to pick, blah, blah, blah. And it just gets them sort of c competing, right? All right, she picked me. She must think I can't shoot, right? I, I'm, I'm going hard during this or, you know, whatever. So I think just being able to see their wins and losses, see how I'm, um, you know, relating to my teammates. And you know, a really good coach who you might follow him on Twitter, Asim Rostogi. I don't know if you follow, but anyways, he actually gave me the idea for the wins and losses. Um, shoot, my video is not working, is it? Um, uh, are you trying? It's still sharing. I still oh, got let me your, stop the share. Yeah. Yeah, he gave me the idea for the wins and losses, and he actually, uh, when he was coaching, that's how he determined his starting lineup for the next game. Sure. The the who won the five most you know, whatever in practice. And we haven't done that, but I think uh, we'll just announce it throughout practice when they're getting water or something. Say, hey, you know, this kid has six wins today. She's leading us in wins. You know, she's out of running at the end of practice if, if this keeps up or whatever. And it sort of gives them a little shot in the arm, I think. Yeah, I think that's great. I love the organization you have with Adam. Uh, do you, you also do wins? Uh, we do wins on communication, on coaching, because we want our kids to coach and particularly to communicate. That's really helped us this year. Uh, and we said, hey, man, great job on, you know, uh, talking on the defensive end. I got right. ball. Uh, and just little things is, I tell you, we got to really emphasize communication in our program. And now the girls, mm -hmm. it's becoming more of a habit because they want those wins. Right. Yeah, we used to, when we had more managers, um, hopefully we can find a way to do it again this year. We used to chart body language stats. Yeah. And so I would have one chart, chart tangibles, uh, wins, losses, that sort of thing like that. And then the other manager, I would chart body language stats. So we would have um, you know, who can lead us in positive touches. Um, we do a thing called shy eyes, where if I'm talking to you or a player's talking, if your eyes aren't on them, right, you're getting negative points. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we've done. Positive uh, communication, right? If we're in a drill and I have to say uh, Avery talk or you know Emily talk or whatever, boom, negative point, right? You're you're getting the point taken away for that. And so it's just uh, if you pick a teammate up off the floor, boom, you're getting a point for that. Uh, different thing. You point at the passer when she gives you a good pass, whether you make the shot or not, right? Boom, you're getting a point for that. And so a lot of that stuff. And I think those were so important because those are things you can fully control, right? You might be having a crap practice, right? But you also might 
absolutely bring it for your teammates and lead us in all of those body language stats. And so those were really, those were really big. And especially when we weren't very good, you know, finding things that we can control that are still positives. Yeah. Cause those intangibles will eventually lead as your skill level sure. doesn't matter. Right. You yes, start sir. winning though. I mean, it'll, it'll, to me, that's, that's huge. I'm glad you're doing that coach. And it's showing up, man, cause your team is playing some great basketball. Thank you. Um, hopefully you get everybody back, man. It's, it's just, it's a crazy sure. time. Yeah, right we're now. Slowly, working, slowly working on back. Hopefully next week we'll have at least enough to go four on four or five on five. Hey, tell me, I want to go right into this point because um, for most of the year, like we, we lost a lot of seniors. We have, we have nine. And yep. I, I'll get like my, my boys coach's son to come out and so forth. I, now I can get some middle school kids mm -hmm. to come out. But for a while there, we had some girls out. We had seven or eight at practice, uh, which right. is hard to do. But to me, there's no really? excuse. You still nope. got to practice with the same right. intensity, right? Right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it was hard where we, um, I, I mapped out, I usually map out our practices a week at a time, right? So I know what we want to work on, which day, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I planned all of our practices, right? Planning around having, you know, five players, at least five players on each team. And then, uh, boom, we get the COVID thing. And now we have to, we have six players, seven players. And so I had to go back and completely restructure, but think about, all right, how can I work on the same things, but in a different structure, right? How can I take this from five on five or four on four into three on three or two on two right. or whatever. But I think that uh, we play in our off season, we play a ton of three on three. I think three on three is so good. It exposes you. If you can't play in three on three, you're going to get exposed. Right. And I think the smaller the numbers, the more you have to be able to play, right? We play a lot of two-on-two. Two. If you can't guard the ball in two-on-two, two, then your team's probably going to lose. And, um, and I think that's been really good. And, you know, we started out this week. Um, we were going for two and a half hours with six girls. I was like, man, this is <laughs> – They love that. <laughs> yeah, these girls are running ragged. So the last two days, we've only went for two hours. But uh, it's been um, – it's really good because I mean they're they're getting the reps right. There's no subs, um, and it's still it, we're still able to work on some similar things as far as our spacing, right? We can still work on our spacing. We can still work on uh, some of our actions because most of our actions are a two man game or a three man game, anyways, right? So we can still just play it on one side of the floor. You know, do we have to be creative with it? But and our girls are so smart where. Yeah, I give them a lot of credit. They'll adjust or they'll say, coach, let's do it this way, right? Or coach, let's break this down into a two-on-two -two or whatever. So it, it's been um, – I mean, they're used to it a lot anyways because we do so many smaller games, you know, in our offseason stuff. Hey, let's get right into your practice plan and, and how you break it down. I have a certain way sure. that, that I do it. Um, <laughs> and we always start with a rebounding drill because that's important to us. But what do you yeah. do? Start right. with like, you know, how do you guys warm up? Talk about your structure. Yes, sir. Let me uh, share my screen here. All right. So, we'll go, um, here's one from last year uh, when we had enough bodies uh, to practice. So, we'll do our stretching up, all that stuff. 
And then um, every day we want to be really good in transition and really good in fix it situations, right? So, so we did the two-on-two continuous. This was a short practice. I think we were getting ready for a playoff game. Um, but we start off with something to get them running up and down the court right away. It might be uh, three-on-two, two-on-one. It might be an advantage drill. Uh, but this day it was two-on-two continuous. And so right away I want them thinking. Right, I want them running up and down, and I want something competitive. And so that's what we do. Every single time we'll do some kind of transition drill to open up practice. Uh, then we shoot. Right, I think, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong for thinking this, but I want them to shoot when those lungs are burning. I want them to shoot after we've been running up and down. And so I think shooting is so, so important where if we can't shoot, the game is really, really hard. And so we shoot. I just told them today in practice, uh, we shoot more than any team I've ever seen shoot in practice. And you know, we try and make it as game-like as we can. We make it as competitive as we can. Um, so we'll shoot for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes each practice. Um, and then for this one, sometimes we'll alternate. We'll go defense, offense, offense, or defense. But it doesn't – each uh, section of practice or portion of practice, we're still watching both. Right, we're still watching offense and defense. We're not doing anything on air. Uh, so we'll break it down into, I think this was an uh, hour and a half practice. So if it's a two-hour practice, this might be uh, 25 minutes of half-court, full-court defense, 25 minutes of half-court offense, and then you know, add some time in somewhere else. Um, but we uh, layer it so we'll start off doing something one-on-one -on -one. we might play one-on-one -on -one from the wing we might play full court one-on-one -on -one. Um, we might play a game we do called one-on-one -on -one baseline where we pressure the basketball and then we go from there so we went four on four perfect possession is probably our favorite defensive drill that uh brings out the most energy and intensity from our girls uh, we do some sort of advantage right so that day it was uh 5-0 versus 4-D Right, we're rotating, talking, working on all that stuff. Uh, we do blood drills every day. We're a dribble drive team. So we'll do uh, blood 33 or blood 44, uh, working on opening up double and triple gaps, working on uh, spacing, all of that stuff. Uh, the thing about this practice that looking back on, I'm not sure if I like – I can tell we were prepping for a playoff game because it's very rare that we'll go over sets and like a press break in the same day. Because I think it bogs down our practice. Uh, so this, I could tell that we were getting ready to prep for a game. And then we shoot again at the end of practice, right? We want to shoot when their lungs are burning. Uh, I want to shoot when they're tired. Uh, at the end of practice, almost always when we're shooting, we don't focus on makes, right? We focus on doing everything else right. So we uh, focus on throwing strikes, right? Focus on our footwork. Focus on uh, having a next shot mentality. Right, not being so caught up in the makes, but being caught up in I'm I'm getting up hundreds of shots every day in practice. I need to shoot this thing with confidence. Uh, and then, and this year, here's practice one from uh, yesterday. So again, same structure. Right, we warm up. Uh, we did a thing called Italian three on three. Right, which is transition offense, transition defense. Uh, we'll shoot uh, every single day. Do some form of shooting. Uh, and then we do the same thing, right? Start off one-on-one, -on -one, uh, baseline one-on-one. -on -one. Our girls really hate that because it's almost impossible for the defense to win. 
but we do it anyways. Um, a rockets drill, which is a disadvantage drill, uh, starts off in a three on two, goes into a three on three. <laughs> uh, shell, kind of hard to do with three people, uh, but like we were talking about earlier, you're going to get exposed if you can't guard uh, in three on three. Blood drills, do those all the time, especially when uh, we don't have five people uh, to go over our specific sets. We'll just work on opening up gap space, spacing, all of that stuff. Uh, advantage offense, do that almost every single day. Uh, cutthroat, I love cutthroat. If we could do cutthroat for an hour each practice, we would do cutthroat for an hour each practice. And then we shoot at the end. Um, and that is sort of how we structure every single practice. Uh, unless we're prepping for something we haven't seen, we might spend some more time on the X's and O's. Uh, but that's how we structure it pretty much every single time. Yeah, so do you kind of keep the same format, Joe? Because uh, everybody's different. As they get, obviously, as you get towards the playoffs, you're focusing more on specific opponents. Right. Um, do you try to keep the same format, like you said? You know, with where you place your shooting, your free throws, all that. Yes, sir. Try to be consistent. Yes, sir. Yeah, we we do that. Yeah, we try and keep the same format. Um, we do. We'll start actually more next week. Uh, we unless we're playing someone that's really unfamiliar or like you said prepping for a playoff opponent, we don't spend a ton of time on specific teams. Okay. Maybe they have. Uh, we want to put in all of that stuff at the beginning of the year, so that we can just hone it throughout the year. So we'll put in how we're going to defend a ball screen, how we're going to defend uh, a down screen, uh, how we're going to double the posts, uh, whatever. Right. All of these concepts. Whereas we get into prepping for an opponent, if it's a district opponent that we play twice, we're pretty familiar with, we'll just say, all right, we know this is a flex team, right? Here's how we defend a down screen. Here's how we defend a flex screen. We're not going to prep for this opponent specifically, right? We're going to prep for actions. Uh, we know this is a dribble drive team, right? We know whatever. And so I think that's able to keep the flow of practice, at least for us. I know that when – if I spend 30 minutes breaking down an opponent's X's and O's, the girls get bored. Right? They lose – their attention is gone. And so if we can just say, all right, I want offense for the next 60 seconds, you're running flex. Right? We're working on defending the flex action. Or offense for the next 60 seconds, you're running uh, motion, right, whatever kind of motion they run. Okay, we're working on defending that. But we're not spending – a ton of time on an opponent specific exit until it gets playoff time. And then when we know maybe a possession here, or possession there is win or go home time, then we'll hone in on that a little bit more. And um, it sounds like you really focus on what you do. And yes, sir. Yeah. We're huge on, on, on what we, we think. And I don't, I don't want to sound cocky or conceited or whatever. We think if we play as well as we can, then we're going to be okay. Yeah. I love it. That shows your kids, your confidence. Um, yes, sir. Uh, also, do you believe more in five-on-five? Five? I, I guess I'm just – I, I, I love five-on-five. Five. Now, sometimes, like, you know, you can't right. do it. But right. I think teaching out of the five-on-five five game, certain coaches love it, certain coaches don't. What's your philosophy on that? Uh, I love it. I love it. We were just talking with our girls today, um, yesterday. I'm sorry. A couple of girls show up a minute or two late, right, and so I ran them. And uh, I said, the biggest – you guys know me. I do not want to run you just for the sake of running you. That is my – I believe that we're going to waste time doing that. I don't want to waste 10 minutes running you. Okay, where we want to get our conditioning is playing five on five. 
And so I, I love five on five. I want, you know, we'll go, we might throw some constraints in where, uh, okay, we're running, uh, you know, this set each time down. We're just playing a, for four minutes here, right? Four minutes straight. I'm not stopping this clock. You know, we're running that we want this each time down, right? Open up a double gap and play, right? Or initiate a dribble handoff and play or whatever. And so we do a lot of different constraints. We don't just roll the ball out and play five on five, but we'll put constraints on it where, okay, you can't score till you get a paint touch or uh, something like that. But, yes, five on five, I think it's the best conditioner for us, right? The girls want to play five on five because that means we don't have people sitting on the baseline watching practice. And I think it's um, – obviously, it's the, it's the most game-like, right? I don't – we don't have to stop and correct a ton. It usually works itself out in the course of five-on-five. But we all know, though, right, Joe, that, that they're not getting as many reps. So, I think right. – you think us coaches, we got to – that's the art of coaching, right? Figuring out, um, hey, do a three-on-three drill, and then let's yes. see if it works in a five-on-five setting, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think – and we we try to load it like uh, you know, we'll go, for example, and let's say we're doing working on our half court defense, right? We'll do some sort of one on one drill, and then we'll load it into three on three, same concepts, and then we'll load it into five on five or you know whatever we do. Which I very rarely, unless we're scrimmaging at the end of practice, are we going straight into a five on five, where we want to spend more time on five on five. We might spend only three minutes on that three on three and spend 10 minutes on that five on five. But you're right. I do want those kids to have those valuable reps and to put kids in position where it's, it doesn't matter if it's 18 year olds or I know in my PE class, eight year olds and five on five. Sometimes there are two kids that go six possessions without touching the ball because the best players naturally are going to, take the ball over, right? And so I think three-on-three, three, smaller numbers, like you're saying, gives those other kids, you know, chances where they have to play. Yeah, we got to do another podcast on uh, K5PE, man. Are, are <laughs> yes, sir. Or, what, what, Absolutely, what, yes, sir. We, we got to do the whole other podcast because – Yeah, I, I, think, like, I think that would be more beneficial for me because right now with the COVID stuff, it, it's made it difficult. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Yeah. Are you guys actually in class now or is it online? Uh, we were. Uh, we were in a hybrid up until about two weeks ago, and then we went fully online. So we're hoping that uh, after the new year we'll be able to come back hybrid, but we're not for sure yet. Yeah, yeah guys, we've actually – well. We're pretty much – we have most of our kids, Joe, actually at school, but we do have – we have a combination. And I have an assistant who actually played for me back in the day. She, she really okay. – she, she's great, man. She does my online stuff, and I got the, uh, the in-class. So that's pretty Yeah, cool. our, our elementary schools, most of the kids have been in school. It's the high schools where 
you know, a lot of the kids have chosen to be completely virtual. So, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Sir, <laughs> value of that, but um, hey, give me your best defensive drill and give me your best offense. It might be the same one, but let's and try to. I know I don't know if you can diagram it or what, but give me your best defensive drill, your best offensive drill. Try to explain it the best you can. Uh, yeah, defensively, it's definitely we'll go uh, perfect position. And uh, we can do this uh, three on three, four on four, five on five. It doesn't matter. Uh, oftentimes we do it four on four. Um, and so we'll put 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, offense will have the ball. And defensively, we have some things specific to our team or to our program that we chart defensively and so that we really want to emphasize. And so for us, it's uh, limiting the opponent to one shot right? Uh, not fouling, right? We don't want them to foul. And then as we get better defensively, um, keeping them out of the paint, right? If they, we don't want them to land two feet in the paint. And so those are three things, really those first two, land, the, the paint thing is really difficult. So if, if I see that we're you know, not having, it depends on the flow of practice. We're having a great practice and so we might ramp it up and go, all right, we're adding this. But that's really the offensive rebounds and the fouling. And we'll put 60 seconds on the clock. And that team has to defend for 60 straight seconds without giving up an offensive rebound, without giving up a bucket, without fouling the opponent. If any of those three things happen, then the clock resets back to 60. And they have, we have to play it until they get down to zero. If they get a, any turnover that they force, we take 10 seconds off the clock. And so they draw a charge, they get a steal, uh, whatever. Right, opponent throws the ball away, uh, 10 seconds off the clock. Okay. And so that – I think we didn't always do it with the taking away the 10 seconds, but I think defending 60 seconds without fouling um, and not giving up the offense, they, they started to get a little passive where, all right, I'm just trying not to make a mistake because I want to get out of this drill. Or then, all right, we're going to ramp it up. If you force the turnover, we're taking 10 seconds off of this clock. And so now, boom, i got to get up and get after it. And so, man, that has been – and it started off the girls hated it because they could never take them six or eight tries to get down to zero. But now, man, they want – they ask, can we do perfect possession day? And they, they ramp it up. And we can do it – and we'll do it if we're playing a zone, right? We like to play a 1-3-1, one, one, so we'll, we'll do it out of a 1-3-1. One, one. Or, I mean, you can cater it to whatever your philosophies are, right? If you're a pack line team, you can change it. If you're a denial team, you can change it. Man, that's, that has been the thing where – I don't – we we do very little of just your uh, traditional shell drill. We try we try and find a way to change it and, you know, amp it up a little bit, and, and that's that's been the best the best for us. So it's what you emphasize is more important, right? It's not the actual drill. Just, just serve. Yeah, you can do whatever you want with it, but that, that's what we do. Four on four or five on five, or does it matter? It doesn't matter. We can yeah. do it three on three. You know, we're going to do it three on three uh, Saturday when we come back to practice. So just depending, we like, I like, preferably I can do it four on four uh, because that's where, how we want to space offensively too with a four out. So it sort of helps us are working on offense as well. Um, but I mean, you can cater it to whatever you, however your team wants to do it. If you're a five out team, then I would probably do it five on five or whatever your team you know wants to do. Great. 
uh, and kind of transition into your best offensive drill. And it could be, heck, it could be just an individual uh, technique drill. It could be a transition drill. What's, what's the drill you guys right. doing? Um, I'm, a, I'm a cutthroat. I love our, t- our kids playing cutthroat. And so we'll do it. Um, if we have the number one four, it's perfect for us because that's how we want to space it on the perimeter. Uh, but for cutthroat, we'll start uh, red or one team with the basketball, uh, one team on the baseline. Uh, coach will initiate the drill by passing the ball into the offensive team. Uh, defensive team closes out, and then they're playing. Right there, no, I. The objective for cutthroat is we want to do that, um, and I don't want to stop the clock. I don't want to stop it to coach them. I don't want to stop the clock. If offense scores, then they stay on. It's make it, take it. If defense gets scored on, let's say um, that defensive team has six players, then two of them sub in, two of them sub out. Right, so it's requiring them to communicate. You're you're screaming, right, coming in, you know, Amber, get out, Amber, get out, you know, whatever. It's it's requiring them to be good listeners and good communicators. If not, they're going to get scored on again. Um, if after a change of possession or a made basket, the offense outlets to a coach or to a manager, and we get it right back to them, right? So it's an offensive drill, I believe, because defense is always in scramble mode, right? They're always at a disadvantage. And so offense, right, if you if you do what you're supposed to, you outlet that thing quickly and we get it back to you, you're playing against a scrambling defense, right? You sh- you're playing four on three or you know, defense who isn't matched up or whatever, right? And you're scoring. Again, defense, if you get a stop, you go to offense, no one subs. So we only sub on made baskets. So defense, you get a stop, right? You outlet it to a coach. You space the floor. Boom, we get it right back to you, and you're playing. So we we tried it our at tryouts actually, and it was a, it was a mistake because it was a mixture of JV varsity kids. But I wanted something <laughs> where they could see, okay, this is the pace that we want to practice at, sure. right? I don't want to and you know uh, walk you through every single little thing. I want you guys. And so the thing that we say with our varsity girls a lot is I want you to fix it, right? We're going to put you in fix the situations where I'm, I love the Greg Popovich thing where I don't have 50 timeouts to call and save you, right? You've got to fix it. And so that's been so huge with our girls and they really love cutthroat because it's fast paced. And like I said, we don't, I don't want to condition them just for the sake of conditional. So we'll just set that clock for eight minutes and it's just going and it's a half court drill, right? But they're constantly moving. Um, it puts a huge stressor on communication, right? If you're coming in onto the floor to defend and you're not matched up, right, or someone doesn't know that they're supposed to sub in or sub out, then you're going to give up a bucket. And, like, you can cater it to your team. Like, uh, if we're we, – we run a lot of ball screen stuff, so we might make a rule and cutthroat where you have to set one ball screen before you can score, right? Or you might have to get one paint touch before you can score or – uh, we limit your dribbles, or if we want to really up the pace, we'll play it with a shot clock, right? Where that's where our managers come into play. Where as soon as that ball hits the offensive player's hands, that 10-second shot clock starts. You better get a shot off, right? We're not just passing the ball and dribbling around for the sake of dribbling around. And so we we you can like us a, a very similar perfect possession. You can do with do with it what fits your team, but 
I really love it because it's puts our team in unscripted situations where I don't want to script the game from. I want them to be thinkers and figure it out. And so, man, if we could play, if if I had to pick two drills to spend a two-hour practice on, those would be the two. Yeah, I really want you to add to this podcast. I want you to film that for me. And Absolutely. That, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of add it to what you're talking about because video sure. don't lie, I, and I want to see it. Uh, I Absolutely. think the audience, the coaches would love to see if you could do that for us. Sure. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's funny. It's messy, man. It's um, we we do. Um, and uh, I, I tell our girls, right, I want messy, right? I want, I want us to be – the game isn't scripted, right? We can try and micromanage as much as we want, but if you really look at the game, right, 75 80% of it is you having to think on the fly, right, me not calling out a set or whatever. Now, there are coaches who win a lot of games by walking the ball up the floor and calling out a set every single time. But that isn't how we want to play. Right. I want you to be thinkers. I want you to be able to think on the fly. And that forces them to do it. And it, man, it, um, our kids love it. And we play it in workouts. We'll play it. And you can cater it to your numbers. So if we only have six kids at practice, then we'll play it three on three. If we have a full group, then we'll go four on four or whatever. So it's really good for us. Yeah. And I, I I'm going to ask you this, Joe. And I, it sounds like sure. you guys really believe in this is the transition part of practice. I don't think enough yeah. coaches. I think I love about the cutthroat game is it's it's transitioning. It's offense, defense, yeah. defense, offense. Yeah. I don't think coaches do enough of that. I'll give you an example. I watch coaches sometimes, and it's they're working on the half-court game, and, all right, they'll throw it back out to the offense, yeah. reset. Man, that's not how the game is played. No, there should be transition in every drill. I think so. And I think I try a lot, and I'm being honest, man, I used to – uh, when I first started, how my practice has completely flipped, I used to be, okay, let me uh, you know, throw this, give the ball to me after each possession, we'll talk about it, and then we'll go again. Well, that's not how the game works. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to function. I might give up a bucket, then my butt better get back and get a stop next time, right? Or if I turn the ball over, I'll back defensively and get a stop. And so I think it's – so and it makes them – they're not – I think it's really helped us with not making the same mistake twice, where the only time we ever stop the cutthroat drill is if we've made the same mistake four, five, six times in a row and one team's just getting crushed. Right. Then I'll stop it and say, you guys need to wake your butt up and claw your way back to this or this, this, there's no use in us doing this. And But, it, man, it's, it forces them to fix it. It forces them to talk. And it's, um, like you said, with the transition game, I'm having to quickly think, right, and quickly talk. And I saw, we haven't done it yet because we don't have enough girls uh, right now, or I don't think it would be accurate. But I was watching a clinic during the pandemic, and I think it was um, Luke Yach. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. He's an assistant at Texas. Okay. But anyways, he was talking about how they'll have a manager um, – there's an app on your cell phone. You can uh, measure the decibels. Hmm. And so they'll use that at practice during every live drill. And they'll have that manager stand on the baseline. And if the decibel level doesn't reach, you know, whatever amount they want it to reach, boom, they're on the baseline or they're doing some sort of conditioning. I want to know that app. I want to know the name of that. 
we're definitely we're definitely when we get enough girls to where I think it's accurate, we're definitely gonna try that. Because, you know, here's here's evidence, right? I, it's not me just telling you you need to talk more, right? We're measuring this. We're gonna see, you know, if we're really loud, right? If we're playing in a gym, hopefully, maybe we can this year with a thousand people in it. Can your teammate who's all the way across the court hear you talking to her? And man, I think that's so. And it relates to the kids, right? The kids want to see it. The kids are cell phone kids, right? If they see, hey, look at this app, right? This is telling you you're not loud enough, right? We're not practicing with enough energy. I think that's awesome. I think that's something we're definitely going to do. That's great. I'm definitely going to look that up. Yeah, I yeah. definitely wanted to, Yeah, there's no doubt. I always, that's why I do these podcasts, man. I'm picking up things like yeah. that. That's great. Yeah. Hey, talk about uh, my, my last topics. I know you got to go, Joe, but um, sure. is how much do you, talk during a practice i don't i i don't talk as much maybe at the beginning of the year i try to limit what i say because a lot of times the more i talk the less they listen and i try to get my players to really voice their opinion what's your your philosophy on that um like that i think that's shifted with our practice philosophy where before man i was a huge talker right i would circle them up i would stop practice i would talk i think a lot of it was i just wanted here, I just want these kids to hear how smart I am, right? When really, they don't really care, right? They want to play. They want to play. So now it's, it's at the beginning of a drill, if I'm having to explain the rules to a drill, right? Especially like you said, at the beginning of the year, I might talk, right? But I'm purposeful about our manager setting that clock. All right, we have, if this drill is out for, you know, we have eight minutes we're going to spend on this thing. I'm I'm not spending any more than a minute and a half talking about because I'm not and I see that clock running boom I got to shut up because right, I'm wasting our time and so I think now it's gotten to where I'm huge on asking them questions where I think it makes them feel important makes them feel like their opinion is valid even though it may be something completely off the wall that might be wrong right at least they're being heard and so like today we were. Um, we were doing a blood drill because we were dribble driving. We were doing three on three. And I said, uh, okay, right now we have no advantage, right? It's three on three. There's no transition. We're setting up in the half court. There's no advantage. And I just asked them, how can we create an advantage? What's the easiest way for us to create an advantage? And then what are the advantages we should be creating? And then it's like, boom, 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 boom. Kids rattle them off. Like we want to create a double gap. All right, well, how can we create a double gap? We want to get two on the ball. Okay, how can we get two on the ball? And it's just, I think that is so where, where they're talking and they're figuring it out rather than me. You know, I don't want to be, and it stresses me out, right? I know when I, if I'm talking and talking and talking, then once the drill starts, right, boom, I might find something else I need to talk about. And it's just, I think, um, like you said, I'm not a huge talker. I'm not a huge over corrector. Like I know when we're shooting, right. Um, in the off season, I, in my opinion, that's the time for you to really hone in on your mechanics. Like by the time we hit December, it's too late, man. Your shot is your shot unless you're willing to come and spend hours and hours and hours upon hours in the gym. Right. So if a kid we're shooting and they say, coach, why isn't my shot going in? I don't know. Just shoot it. Shoot it. We'll work on that later. Right. I have 12 other kids here that I need to coach. We'll work on that later. Right. So I think that's huge where I don't want to give them tons of information to where they're thinking more than they're playing. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I you, you mentioned a good point during the season. You are who you are. Yeah, I mean, I mean your work. You become a player <laughs> March through October. That's when you become a player. So that's my yeah. opinion, at least. Yeah, that's the battle, coach. We keep trying to sell that to kids. It, it, it's becoming harder and harder. Uh, kids are playing. My, I have kids that play a lot, but they, right. they got to work on the individual stuff uh, right. a lot more than what they're doing. Uh, and yes, before sir. you go, hey, kind of give me your goals. What is something that you maybe in the next – I don't know when your first game is. I know it's coming up. Give me some, some individual – give me some goals for your team coming up. What, what are some things you're looking to do? Because I know it's hard right now going three right. on three. What are some things you're looking forward to? Give me some some – some simple goals you want from your team? Uh, our goal, if we can, uh, our next practice will be Saturday. If we can at least go four on four, we'll be able to. Uh, our plan is, excuse me, by Wednesday of next week, we should have everyone back. That will give us uh, four full practices before our first game with everyone. So we want – our goal is to get every X and O – and that we will need before that first game. That's our that's our number one goal. And like I said before, I don't want to still be putting X's nose in in February. All right, I want to get all of our stuff in now, ideally, before we play our first game, and then hone it throughout the rest of the season, where we might have to maybe alter it a little bit because this team plays uh, ball screens differently or whatever, right? But the basic concepts, we want to have those in. I think that's able – helps us to spend more time on our on our skill work, right? We get all of our X's and O's, all of our concepts in. Okay, then we can spend 10 more minutes of practice shooting, right, or, you know, whatever throughout. And I think that's really – and that really what sucks about us not having all of our grills right now is this week would have been huge. We would have been on our third day of installing different stuff where we're just – we haven't been able to just yet. Yeah, I love that. I guess you got to be really patient now, right, Coach? It's hard yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah, we can't be uh, – yeah, I was going into the season. I'm like, all right, man, we're going to be deep. We're going to be athletic. We want to do all this stuff. But now I'm like, man, you know, what, what will we have time to teach in four or five practices with our whole team before our first game? We're going to have to really simplify it. Hey, and I, and I know I, I thought that was my last question, but I, I, want, your opinion, I want your opinion on something. Something sure. that I really believe in, and I want other coaches to kind of – and I'll send you a video of what we do before games. Yes, At every practice, I do what I call an individual improvement session where I take Love things it. that the kids need to work on and then they hone it by themselves while the coaches walk around. I feel like that has really helped our discipline of each kid knowing like, hey, this is something that, first of all, the coach mm -hmm. cares about me. And number two – they need to focus on improvement during the season. And we also do it before games. We don't do walkthroughs. We do individual improvement skill level wise. Man, it has helped us so much. And I'll give you an example. I have a girl, a ninth grader, the other day we were working on her left hand and she did a left hand inside out move and went by a defender. And after the game, she was almost in tears. I mean, she just goes, did you see that? Did you see that inside yeah. out move? And it was like, I think we neglect that as coaches a lot, don't we? Oh, yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think so. You're you talking about before the games. Do you mean like in a shoot around hours before the game or in your warm up 
No, not, um, not in the pregame. We have a specific pregame, okay. but it's okay. like you know, some teams come in and they just shoot around, goof off. Right. We, we don't do any goofing off. I mean, everything's organized, sure. but we do. We give them specific things they need to work on uh, during that session. And what, what it does, it, it gets them focused. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that is also, I think that's a great idea. Our, um, what we've done in the past, we do a lot of that, uh, in our off season stuff, but I know with us, we've gotten more as we work out, unless we don't have a six, four girl that I say, Hey, I spot you in the ninth grade. You're six, three, you're going to be a post player. Right. I mean, we don't have that. Our girls go five, seven to, 5'11", like every single kid. And right. so we work them out pretty much all the same, right? My philosophy, and I might be wrong, where I want our 5'11 girl to be able to guard your post player on one end, but then to be able to pull her butt away from the basket on the other hand and sure. dribble a little, you know, do what things she needs to do. So a lot of our skill work is universal, right? If, we, if I come across a girl in a couple of years who is 6'3", then maybe maybe one changing, but a lot of our skill work is universal, but I still think we could cater it to what you're doing where each kid, you know, maybe she has a weak left hand or uh, maybe she's not a very good shooter or, you know, maybe she uh, needs to be better at creating off the bounce or you know, whatever, whatever it is. I think that, I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah. It's really helped us a lot, coach. And I, I know I've learned a lot from you during this podcast and I, oh, I appreciate you. you. I'm going to add in, uh, Definitely more of the – I'm going to definitely change my win chart. I love how you have it organized. Um, I definitely love how you have certain – I love the shy eyes. I'm going to add that in. Um, And I appreciate all the details you give on your four-on-four perfection drill. I love that. And uh, we're definitely going to add that into our shell drill series that we use. Right. So I definitely – hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm here to steal stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, I've stolen stuff. That uh, you know, skill work that you were talking about, we're going to have to try and find a way to do that in our shoot-arounds because, yeah, like you, like you said, we don't want to waste that time. You know, we're, we want to find a way to make it useful. So, Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, and I'm going to get more of you guys on. I think, I, I think Jacob – is it Jacob Gruse? Yes, sir. Yeah, he's a really good one. He's from down uh, – near where Coach Hedrick is from. So. Okay. Yeah, he wants to come on. I'm trying to set up a, a date with him and so forth. Cool. So, uh, hey, how can we get a hold of you? If a coach wanted to contact you, what's the best way to do it? Uh, they can reach me uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm usually on Twitter uh, quite a bit. That Man, that's been the, my biggest resource in connecting with coaches has been Twitter. I know there's a lot of social media, people who don't like social media, but, man, that has been – that's how I met all of the coaches in that group text. I mean, it's just right. been awesome. Uh, Twitter handle is Coach Lucas LHS. Uh, they can contact me on there. I'm sure some have already seen where you tag me in the podcast thing. Absolutely. Uh, and then email. Uh, check my email quite a bit. Uh, they they can feel free to reach out and email me. That'd be all right as well. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches will love some of your practice drills. If you might have that on. Uh, PDFs or something like that, and I yes, definitely yeah, I actually have a, yeah, a whole uh, you know Google Drive folder of different small side games and stuff. So I'd be glad to share those. Absolutely, this is what the podcast is all about. Yes, Joe, sir. thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. 
And uh, I'm hoping you guys get back to playing soon, man, with all your players. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Coach. Yes, Hi, this is Kurt Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado. Keep up the great work.